the single greatest lesson we learn from David's life by far, and this is the lesson that's most important to God as well, it's this, is that David was a man after the heart of God. In fact, he's the only one in scripture to carry that title. He's the only one described as a man after God's own heart. Hi, friends, and welcome back to Live in the Light. We're so glad, as always, that you have decided to join us here today. And you've joined us for a great day because today we're beginning a brand new series. We're excited for this. It's a series, well, I'll let Robbie tell you. Robbie, it's a big series, right? That's right. A series on the life of David. And uh, this is always one of the more popular series we find in Scripture because I think it's so easy, Craig, for us to relate in the narratives. We see ourselves in the lives of these men and women in Scripture. I'm so thankful. I know as you are too, that they are real people. They have ups, they have downs, they have sin, they have victories and trials. And so we enter in so quickly and and resonate and relate. And David's life in particular was so special. In fact, David is the only man in scripture who carries the title, a man after God's own heart. And that is not insignificant. So we're going to take several days now on this program here at Live in the Light to start to see why was David a man after God's own heart. And we're praying so much that you will understand how much God's heart cares for where your heart is as it relates to David's life, but then is applied to mine and to yours. So may the Lord move with such power and such significance during this time as we start this series on the life of David. So plan to tune in day and day out. And as always, we'd love to hear what God is doing in your life. And may we be found as men and women with hearts strongly pursuing after the heart of God. Exciting times here at Living the Light. All right, exciting times indeed. And as Robbie said, this is the man after God's own heart. So we're expecting great things, looking for great things, and expecting our great God to work in a great way in our lives. Let's pick the story up right where it begins in 1 Samuel 16. And the title of today's message is The Lord Looks on the Heart. Let's turn it over to Robbie once again. Please find a Bible and open that up uh, to the book of 1 Samuel. The book of 1 Samuel. And as we open our Bibles up, and if you want, you can turn to chapter 13. We'll start there just for a brief moment, and then we'll get on to our main text. But as we turn to 1 Samuel, this means we've just begun a new series examining the life of David. And uh, I believe it's gonna be a very exciting time as we do this as well. The reason I believe we're in for an exciting ride is because there are few lives that are more interesting Interesting and talked about, not only in God's word, but elsewhere as well, than the life of David or the life of King David. Did you know that David is mentioned in the New Testament more than any other Old Testament character? Did you know that more has been written about David in God's word than any other biblical character, of course, save Jesus? One commentator counted uh, 14 chapters on Abraham. 14 chapters on Joseph, 11 chapters on Jacob, 10 chapters on Elijah, 
And then there's David. There seems to be 66 chapters dedicated in some form to the life of David within the Bible. And that doesn't even include the 59 references that refer to David in the New Testament. Now, what this means is God wrote a book and he's decided that he wanted to say a lot about this man David's life. And there's so many lessons that he wants us to learn from them. And with his help, we shall, during this series, we will learn lessons pertaining to the life of of David. The single, though the single greatest lesson we learn from David's life by far, and this is the lesson that's most important to God as well, it's this, is that David was a man after the heart of God. In fact, he's the only one in scripture to carry that title. He's the only one described as a man after God's own heart. Now, A.W. Tozer, who is one of my favorite authors, who wrote the book, The Pursuit of God, which is a book really detailing the heart that is hungry for the Lord in the pursuit of him. Tozer delighted in using the phrase, the fellowship of the burning hearts. That's a great phrase, isn't it? I love that. The fellowship of the burning hearts, indicating hearts that are coming together that are on fire for the Lord and warming each other with that fervency. And so Tozer loved to use that phrase, the fellowship of the burning heart. But here's what we know to be true. The originator of that fellowship, the fellowship of the burning heart, the originator belongs to David because he was the first one and really the only one that was called again a man after God's own heart. By the way, the fellowship of the burning heart, I mean, that's my greatest desire for us as a church. That if anything, we would be men and women gathering together in a fellowship of hearts burning and with zeal for the Lord God Almighty because when we are on fire for him in that way, everything else just seems to fall into place. And so as we start this series, I want to kind of just unpack this theme here, a man after God's own heart in a kind of a quick way, but an important way, and then we'll launch launch in to actually getting to know David as the Bible introduces us to him. So with that, turn to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 13, uh, verse 14. I want you to see this here. 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14. This is the passage in the Old Testament that refers to David as a man after the heart of God. So notice there, chapter 13, verse 14 says this, but now your king, so this is Samuel, Talking to Saul, okay? Saul's being told here that his kingdom shall be no more because of his disobedience. But so Samuel says, but now Saul, your kingdom shall not continue. Uh, But the Lord has sought out a man, a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people. I love that. The Lord has commanded that David shall be prince, king over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. So it's this verse then, this verse that highlights the heart of David after the heart of God. It's this verse that is also detailed in Acts chapter 13, verse 22 on the screen for you here. I want you to see it. And this is what it says. Here's the ESV. I also wanted to include the NIV because I just like the way it's kind of said at the end. ESV says, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, okay? And, and who will do all my will. What a, what, a, what, a, what a beautiful phrase. Again, only said about David in this way. The NIV says, I found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, and he will do everything I want him to do. That's great right there. The heart that's seeking the Lord is the heart that says, God, whatever you want. 
God, wherever you want me to go, God, whatever you want me to do, and God loves the heart that is following and pursuing after his own heart. That is so exciting. So this posture, this passion, and this principle It's the game changer for any human who has ever lived. And by the way, that phrase, a man after God's own heart, can't you just hear the first and greatest commandment embedded within it? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Right there, the first and greatest commandment is the first and greatest commandment for a good reason. This is what God cares about. This is what he's going after. This was David. And that's why this series is going to be, I believe, such a great one, because it's going to turn our hearts towards him and towards his heart, because this is what the Lord is looking for. And that's precisely where we start today then. And here's our sermon title. It's this, the Lord looks on the heart. The Lord looks on the heart. Why? Why? Because all of life is ultimately an overflow of the, tell me, the heart, right? Uh, Proverbs 4, keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flow the springs of life. Love with your heart's everything. Where your heart is, there your treasure is. You want to find out what your treasure? Find your heart, find your heart, find your treasure. And Luke, it says, for out of the, uh, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. As we talk, we reveal our heart. Our heart determines who we are. Our heart determines where we go. Our heart determines our speech. Our heart determines everything in our lives. That's why God cares so much about the heart. And we get to focus on David, a man after God's own heart. So then our passage for this service right here is 1 Samuel chapter 16 now, okay? We're gonna be looking at verses one through 13 and we are introduced to David in this passage. He's not brought up before this. This is the first time he is. And I want you to look at verse one of chapter 16. This serves as a great introduction and context to where we're going over the next several weeks. It says this in verse one. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have, this is great, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Okay, so again, here's a great chance to build our context. Israel up until this point has been governed by judges and God was their king. Samuel would prove to be the last of the judges. And the reason for this is the people no longer wanted just a judge, they wanted a king. They weren't satisfied, really, they weren't satisfied with their heavenly king. They wanted an earthly king because ultimately they wanted to be like the other nations. Now, what so often happens here, and there's a lot of application through this text, God's people, what they did is they looked around and they compared themselves with the world. As they looked around, be careful, man, you'll do this all the time too, just as I will. And you look around the world and you're like, wait, I want that. And I want to be like that. And I want what they have. And we start to turn to God and say, you're not good enough because I want the things I can see and touch. I want, I want the things that I believe are going to make me truly happy. And so the other nations at times too, they come up to the Israelites and be like, hey, Israel, where's your king? Israel would be like, well, he's, he's in heaven. And they were like, that's lame. Your king's in heaven, really? Well, we, our king's over there. You can see him, man. He's in the flesh. And, and the Israelites, they kind of fell to this stuff. And they're like, yeah, where, where, where is our king? And, and we want a king like the other nations and all that kind of... So they grew frustrated with their lack of an earthly king and they began to demand an earthly king. Now, let's make sure we know who got hurt the most here. 
In 1 Samuel 8, I'll read it for you. 1 Samuel 8, verse 7, uh, God said this to Samuel. Samuel, they have not rejected you. They have rejected me from being king over them. Here is the wickedness of the human heart, trading the invisible God for visible men. That's a bad trade. But here's what Israel wants to do and will be tempted to do the same, of course, as well. So the people of Israel, they come up to Samuel and they make three main complaints. The first one is, Samuel, you're really old. It's in the Bible, they do say that. Samuel, you're, you're really old. Yeah, yeah, you've been fine in the past, but we think your age has caught up with you and now you're no longer useful, you're really old. Secondly, your sons are no good. And they were right, his sons were no good. They weren't following the ways of the Lord. And thirdly, they're like, we want a king like the nations. We want to be like the nations. Sam, you're old, your kids are no good. And we want to have a king just like the other nations around us. And so what does God do? Does God strike lightning upon them all? You know what God does, actually, and this is very, very important too. What God does, he gives them the worst judgment he could ever give them, really, which is what? He gives them what they want. Loved ones, do you know that really the the worst way that we can be treated by God if he actually gave us everything we wanted? Can you imagine if all your prayers were really answered according to your will? I mean, we think we know, we don't. That would be a total disaster. Do you know that? If you want a train wreck in your life, have everything you think that should happen and you want happen and we'd be in utter misery and disaster among us all. The worst judgment God can give is to give us what we want. And in this case, he's like, you want a king? All right, I'll give you a king. It's gonna be your way though. And it's gonna be your king. And you're gonna see how this is gonna work out. It would be by the choice of the people and by the will of the people. And this is when Saul becomes king. Now that's a whole other sermon series, right? It really is. And we'll touch on some of it as we go through this. But Saul would have a decent start to being a king other than hiding in the baggage when he was called. Remember that story? Saul's hiding in the baggage when it's his time to kind of step up and they had to go find him anyways. I just, that's amazing to me. But he would have a decent start, but he would have a horrible finish. What were Saul's downfalls? There was a bunch of them. Um, predominantly, he was a paranoid man. He was a self-empire guy. Uh, He was riddled with insecurity. He was uh, full of disobedience and he was all about preserving self and, and, and raging with jealousy. Other than that, he was perfect, all right? So he just had a decent start, but then he had a terrible finish. And this is when it got so bad, it got so bad, God really just kind of said, I'm fed up. I'm fed up with this guy. He's no longer gonna be king. I'm done with him. I'm now gonna seek for myself and provide myself a king who is after my heart, not his own. It's, it's amazing. And here now is the setting in which we meet David. God's like, you've had your way and this hasn't worked out at all. And now we're gonna have my way. Now I will, the text says, I will provide for myself a king. God says, I will seek for myself a man after my own heart. How much does this matter to God? It matters to God in every way. Once again, can you notice? Man's way, give us a king, give us a king. Our way, give us a king. God's like, you can have your way. We're seeing this again in God's word, okay? The ways of God are not the ways of man. Israel's like, we're not a tall guy. We want a guy who's good in battle. We want a guy who looks the part. We want a guy with success and, and intellect. The guy who the people look at and be like, yeah, yeah, we follow him. God's like, you can have your way. But listen, the ways of God are not the ways of man. You know what happens in our lives? So often in our lives, we pull out our map of our life and we kind of hand it before God. And our map in our life is usually, here's point A, here's point B, and there's a straight line in between A and B, and it's all blessing and happiness, and there's no ups or downs, no bumps, no curves, and we're like, A, B, God, bless my map. I speak the truth, don't I? 
This is the way I see my life going. This is how I want it to be. I don't want any kind of ups and downs. I don't want any curse. A, B, God, you bless, because surely that's the God you are. Make my life the way I want it to be. And God's like, well, it's not exactly how it's going to go because my version of your map, yeah, it has A, and yes, it has B, but there are some turns along the way, and there are some ups, and there are some downs, and there will be some hard times, and there will be some weather changes, and there will be some, and so you're going to get to B, but it just won't be the way you think it's going to be, right? And this is called the will of God. And we're like, blah, 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 blah. But see, the mature Christian says, but I'm okay with God's will because God always knows best. People, Saul, God, David, because he wants a man or a woman who is passionately after his own heart. So just let that truth sink in. Just let it sink in. God is not impressed with the world, loved ones. God is impressed with the heart after his. You should know this verse, 2 Chronicles 16, 9. You should know this verse. For the eyes of the Lord run true and through, to and fro throughout the whole earth. I love that. Uh, the eyes of God across this world, across this church, across this room, across the service right now to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support. God wants to bless and strengthen those whose heart is blameless toward him or completely his. So the eyes of the Lord are searching, man. Can I find someone? Can I find a woman? Can I find a man? And God loves to work within those whose hearts are completely his. And what does the Lord do? What does the Lord do when he finds a heart that is after his own? That's what we learn now from 1 Samuel 16. Here's the first thing we learn that God does with a heart that is after his own. Number one, this, this is the heart that will be set apart. This is the heart that will be set apart from others for the blessing and the glory of God. So look at verse one again, one through three now. So the Lord says to Samuel, be Samuel, you got to get over Saul, man. I'm done with him, okay? Samuel loves Saul, right? But he's like, fill your horn with oil and go. I love that. He's like, I got a plan. I got a guy set aside already. For I've provided for myself, myself, a king among his sons, the sons of Jesse, Verse two, and Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. That's fair. Saul was king. Saul was paranoid. Saul was mentally insecure. And Samuel's like, but isn't that, isn't, that, isn't that so often what we do? God says, go here. We're like, yeah, but God says, I want you to do this. We're like, yeah, but I, what, what, I think I need to, or I, we so often do that. God, I want you to be baptized, but, 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 but. Anyways, this is Samuel too. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And God's like, hey, listen, listen. Take a heifer with you and say, I've come to the sacrifice sacrifice to the Lord and invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do and you shall anoint, I love this, and you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. By the way, in verse one, I would highlight or underline the phrase, for I provided for myself a king among songs and I would also highlight that last phrase, verse three, and you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. I think the most powerful phrase is the first one though, I have provided for myself a king, Okay. Now, hear this principle of truth, this. God will never allow his work to die by the death or failure of a man. So just because Saul wasn't working out, that doesn't mean God's work is done. 
if a work is truly of God, it will carry on despite the, the up and down of a particular person or a particular organization, right? That's why pastors come and go, man. Leaders come and go. Elders come and go. Our churches come and go. Denominations come and go, right? But God always carries on with the work of his church because he's God and we're not. Do not put your trust in man. Put your trust in God, all right? This next week, this church, 12 years old. 12 years old, next weekend. This church wasn't here 12 years ago. Think about that. Here we are and all this happened. It's pretty awesome. 12 years ago, we didn't exist the way we do now. And the only reason I think we're here, God sees, I'm gonna work in you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be able to be glorified in you. But listen, we're only here as long as we have hearts after God. And the moment we're not and we get off track, he's like, okay, someone else, someone else, lampstand gone, someone else is raised up. He continues on. We get left in the dust unless we remain to be people who are about him and his glory and having hearts after his. Saul, sorry, man, but God's like, but I got someone. I got someone. Notice that Samuel is commanded to go to the house of Jesse. Why is that so important? Well, because Jesse, Bible trivia, okay, Bible trivia, ready? Ready? I love Bible trivia. Not the best at it, but I do love it. Jesse is the grandson of, anyone, anyone? So nice, nice, that's right, Boaz. You're always afraid, what if I call it out and I get it wrong, right? Yeah, yeah, but Ruth and Boaz. You're like, okay, so why is that so significant? Well, for a number of reasons, Isaiah chapter 11, verse one, also is prophesying about Jesse. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. Now that shoot is referring to Jesus Christ, of course, yes, yes. So notice this, I just want you to see this, okay? So Samuel, go to the house of Jesse, okay? This is, I just couldn't resist. I love biblical theology so much. I couldn't resist not sharing this with you. I just have to, so I hope you're excited like I am about it as well. Go to the house of Jesse. And so he's like, okay, Samuel's like David, or he's, I'm finding the king who will be David. But God's like, yeah, yeah, but when I tell you to go to Jesse's house, okay, this is Jesse, grandson, Ruth and Boaz in the line, of course, of of Jesse and David, and the line of David then, and from the stump of Jesse, imagine a shoot coming out, Jesus Christ. This will be, this will be the line of my son who's going to come and live a perfect life and die for the sins of mankind and be raised from the dead that everyone who looks upon him by grace through faith will be saved. So God, God kind of chuckling in his sovereign awesome plan. And he's like, go to the house of Jesse. Yeah, yeah, there'll be a king there. But it's pointing to a greater king, the king of kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. So, so God's plan for David, yes. God's plan for his son, Jesus, yes. But ready, even, even as he says, go to the house of Jesse, it's God's plan for the salvation of the world. Just, and Samuel doesn't know it, but we do now. And I think that's tremendous. Do you think that's tremendous? This is the Bible becoming one book. And here we are coming together. There's, listen, there's always so much more going on. Samuel, you're gonna find the king. But even within that command, there's so much more happening at a greater scale. Loved one's application for you and me. Our vision is so often one dimensional. Me, 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 me. I'm gonna bore the tourists from last, from last weekend. Navel gazing, navel gazing. All we see is our life and where we are our church, whatever it is, and we gotta look up and look around. God is working on infinite dimensions, infinite dimensions. And so let me illustrate it this way. 
Okay, here's a picture and here we are in Harvest Bible Chapel, Oakville, and here's our pen being dropped. And so often, like if this represents us or even just where we are, we're just focusing on this, you know? And this would be Samuel going to kind of seek out who the next king would be. And our pen's dropped here and you could put your house up here and just focus on you, whatever. But we think our map, our map just consists of kind of what's happening here. And we, and we love this and as we should, and we're fired up about this as we should be, and we're excited about this, but we gotta remember, man, it's just when things happen in life, it's, it's a little bigger than this. We drop our pins just in our lives. And this really accounts for a whole bunch of us, but really this pin is most often dropped like my parking spot. You know what I mean? My parking spot, my car, my home, my job, my family, my me, 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 me. We gotta remember, man, there's a much bigger thing going on right here. Like, so, so we're a pin drop, but there's this whole thing called the world. And on beyond the world, there's this whole thing called the universe. And God is sovereign over it all. And then we can't see us right now. There's a pin drop indicating where we are, right? But we're this little tiny, little bitty thing and we focus on the little bitty thing. But God's like, man, listen, I'm doing so much more than you can even imagine. And we get so caught up in our individual movements of each day and we fail sometimes to recognize when God says, go to the house of Jesse, he's also indicating the plan for the salvation of the world because our God is so awesome. I just, I just want... I just want to share with you to get a chance to step back a little bit and say, maybe there is more than happening. Just what I see, there is. Be encouraged. There is. Because life is not ultimately about us. It's about him. But he wants to use us as connecting points and so many different... Listen, there's, there's things happening in your life right now and you're just like, the pain, the pain, the pain. But you fail to see the incredible networking of God's orchestration in his sovereignty and the way he weaves and stuff that's impacting things you don't even have a clue about. But one day in heaven, maybe you will. And the glory he will get. It takes faith to believe that, doesn't it? But again, that's just a side point right here in this text, but I couldn't resist. I hope you like it too. It's so exciting. Back to our text now. Back to our text. <laughs> the Lord has provided for himself a king. And he says to Samuel in verse three, check it out. He says, and you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. You know what I love about this scene? So Samuel's on his way to anoint David. We don't know David's name yet, according to this passage, but I, I love, David has no clue what's coming. Like David's just out there tending a sheep. He's in, the, he's in the shepherd's field. And yet, listen, he has no clue what's coming, but he's already been chosen. He's already been chosen under the sovereignty of God. He's been chosen by the health of his heart. What do we learn here, lovers? There's David tending the sheep. He has no idea. The oil is on its way. Awesome. What are we learning? We're always being watched, scrutinized, evaluated, and tested by God to see if we can be entrusted with more. We're always, man. Whether we know it or not, God is always watching us. He sees everything. David's out there, man. He's, he has no clue. He's just doing his thing. He's a little teenager. He's going along. And little does he know that Samuel is on his way to anoint him as the future king of Israel. That blows me away. And we're also learning here too, this is a heart set apart by God and for God. You know, I have a word for women here today women uh, who are moms, women who have a mother role somehow in life, women who one day want to be a mom. Do you know that, again, I couldn't resist this stuff as well. David never mentions his dad, Jesse. We know it's here in the text, but David never mentions him personally. David mentions his mom twice and refers to her as a maidservant of the Lord or as a, as a maidservant. Now, you can't read too much into that, but we can read something into that. The fact that in Holy Scripture, David mentions his mom is indicating that she must have meant a lot to him. 
And you know, all of you know, when, when a child is raised, I mean, he's being impacted, she's being impacted by someone. And you have this young man who's got this unusual propensity for an affection for God and a love for him. There's someone in his life shaping his heart. You're like, God is sovereign over David. God is sovereign over David's heart, but God also sovereignly uses tools in our lives. And moms, you may never know. And I'll talk to men at some other point in this series. But moms, you may, you may never know the impact you fully have as you are entrusted with the heart of a child. And David's mom must have had a big role as there he was, eight out of eight sons. I believe he had two sisters as well. And there he is though, being shaped by his mom. And who would have thought that God would sovereignly use her to see her love and her correction and her uh, mentoring upon David's life to be the only man in scripture who would be called a man after God's own heart. Hey, just be encouraged, man. Do, do not consider things little when it comes to the will of God. We n- never quite know all that's going on as we seek to be faithful for him. Wow, well, a strong word from God's word today, a message of hope for all of us today. We pray that you receive that from the Lord today and your hearts are encouraged by that and you face this day delighting in the hope that's found in the Lord Jesus. And loved ones, just a reminder, we would love here at Live in the Light, we would love to hear from you if God's been moving in such a strong way, maybe even just today, providing you with that great message of hope. Our phone number is 1-844-22-LIGHT. That's 1-844-22-L-I-G-H-T. Or you can reach out to us via our website at liveinthelight.ca. Our prayer is that people are impacted by living the light. They would be renewed in mind, reinforced in faith, and resolved in will to live in Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us today, listeners. We hope you join us again next time here on Live in the Light.